0: Well, the Fed is less than 24 hours away now, and the expectation is that they will lift rates by 75 basis points. But you know what? That's what everyone thought about the Riksbank. But yesterday, they pushed them up by 100, so anything could happen. And the mood amongst central bankers certainly seems to be, let's not not get caught out doing too little, even though there are some clues that maybe inflation is starting to slow. And that volatility that we said was coming, well, we are in the thick of it now. And to add to the uncertainty, is the war in Ukraine about to spread? The 21st of December 2022 is the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well today bond yields ever higher 10-year treasury is up 8 basis points to 3.57% 2 years are up 5 basis points just short of 3.98% but getting over 4% mid-session so getting back to 2007 levels uh, but the big uh, move just ahead of the Bank of England tomorrow 10-year gilts up 15 basis points today almost at 3.3% 2 years are up 20 basis points also pretty much at 3.3% so completely flat and pretty high uh, German 10-year bunds also up 12 basis points today in fact all over Europe yields have grown in double digits uh, Aussie 10-year yields meanwhile are going down well they were yesterday down five basis points to 3.63 percent but up, up 11 since then uh, up to 3.74 percent on futures this morning uh, the US dollar is up half percent on the DXY it's up well over 110 now that's seeing the Aussie dollar the euro and the pound all down half a percent or so the Aussie below 67 now the New Zealand dollar struggling yesterday's down another one percent today below 59 now uh, the U.S dollar, up a third of 1% on the Japanese yen. And the stock market well down this morning after yesterday's last-minute rally in the US in the hour of power, although it did try a recovery again late in the session this morning. Not enough, though. The Dow and the Nasdaq both down 1% today. The S&P 500 losing 1.1%. The same story in Europe. Shares down there as well. The Eurostox 50 is down almost 1%. The DAX also down 1%. The FTSE 100 losing 0.6% at close. And oil down as well, 1.5% off WTI and 1.4% off Brent, which is a little over 90 a barrel now. It dipped 20 cents below that uh, in the session overnight. So, I'd say there is nervousness around about the Fed and the Bank of England. Uh, Nabs Taylor-Nugent joins me uh, to to talk about all of that this morning from uh, Melbourne. Uh, So, you can see this cause for concern, can't you? I mean, the expectation was 50 for the Bank of England, but it might be 75, or maybe it'll be 100. The Fed is 75, that's expected, but it might be 100. And, uh, well, yeah, as I said, the warmer pack, the Riksbank in Sweden, 75 was expected there. They raised rates by hundred. So there's this febrile atmosphere now amongst central bankers, isn't there? Uh, so do you think that either the Fed or the Bank of England? It's unlikely with the Bank of England, I would have thought. But do you think that there's a chance the Fed will go the full one hundred?
1: Yeah. So certainly, it seems like the the kind of you know all of the central banks that are backloaded in in this week with the the Federal Reserve coming up early early in our time are kind of looming large in, in investors' minds at the moment and playing into the the price action that we've seen over over the last little while, certainly... You know, analyst expectations for the, the Fed at least are, are firmly planted at 75. 93 of 96 analysts are, are looking for 75 basis points. Mark, markets certainly allowing some risk of a, you know, an even larger
0: 100 basis point move. Um, and, well, they were you know, expecting 75 from the Rix Bank, didn't they? And they surprised.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the Ricks Bank kind of, you know, leading out of the gates and, and surprising higher there moving by 100 basis points to, to 1.75%. So clearly, you know, an, an assessment there that they were behind where they needed to be, and wanted to move out of accommodative settings very, very quickly. Um, whether that has much information for what the Fed will do, you know, much further into the the tightening cycle, and and being kind of. You know, have, having moved a, a fair way fairly quickly, certainly inflation still coming in very, very strongly in in the US in in August. But you know, in in Nab's mind at least, probably adding to the case that continuing with seventy five basis points is is the right move rather than kind of making a new case for that that one hundred basis point move. But certainly, you know, in In this kind of environment, um, you know, very, very much front and center in, in investors' minds, just how much, um, central banks will, will do. Um, and in that context, you know, the, it's not, it's not just the size of the move on the day, but the kind of the new dot plots that we get alongside that meeting as well as the, um, the commentary um, bright and early tomorrow morning as well in terms of what higher for longer means in in the Fed's minds in terms of sizing up where those dot plots move to and just how much they lift compared to where they were in June.
0: Yeah, is anyone actually expecting the rates will come down next year? That's going to be the uh, one of those questions, isn't it? But I mean, all of this, this this push harder, I mean, there are positive signs. I know you're saying, you know, that the, the latest data showing that inflation is still there. But I mean, if you if you're looking ahead a little, I mean, there are some positive signs that it's going to ease off because on the supply side out of China, Shengdu is coming out of lockdown, so 20 million people can now leave the house and go to work. Uh, so Chinese exports might pick up. Hong Kong is also lifting restrictions uh, on the oil side of things. Joe Biden's going to release an extra 20 million barrels of oil from its strategic reserves for November. Uh, I mean, oil obviously being pulled in in both directions, uh, but it, it it's down. Uh, perhaps because everyone is now seeing that a recession is imminent in many parts of the world, so there's there's less demand for it. But I mean, all of that's uh, that's good news. Taiwan export orders up a lot in August. They're expected to fall because there's people buying new iPhones. There's a sign of life getting back to normal, and when everyone's out to get the latest iPhone, the iPhone 14, uh, you know, Taiwan is shipping loads of them out.
1: Yeah, so certainly across that kind of goods and energy driven um, inflationary drivers, there's there's plenty of kind of good news floated floating around out there that, that could actually be you know subtracting from inflation going forward. You can add used cars, especially in the U.S. context, to that that list as well, which yeah. were a big part of that that upward lift earlier in the year. But certainly the kind of the Mannheim used car index is making a, an increasingly compelling case that that will detract from inflation going forward. But you know, again, it just comes back down to the the strength of the labor market and that nominal income growth backdrop and and the breadth of inflation that that 's being seen in in the u s at the moment is you know very much the 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 front and center in in um, policymakers' minds, even if you do get some relief across that goods side. Interestingly, we did get um, a, a positive inflation surprise out of out of Canada for August yes. um, as well, and so that kind of you know. I was played- just coming to that. So you're beating that <laughs> to me, but yes, I mean
0: 0.3 percent down in August month on month. So actually, I mean this is deflation, not slowing inflation. Prices are actually going down. So that has to be a good sign as well, surely.
1: Certainly a good sign there. You know, again, I wouldn't take too much from just that that monthly headline rate, a lot of that was a, a big 9.6% fall in um, in gas prices in the month. Um, but certainly, you know, elsewhere in that release as well, there were there were, um, you know, positive signs throughout the release, the, the core measures that the, the Bank of Canada looks at. Um, the average of those three core measures declined from 5.4% to 5.2% year on year. And kind of looking at the at the detail as well, it certainly looked like um, inflation across that services side, which has been so important, um, was slowing as well. And so we've had some comments yeah. from the Bank of Canada Deputy, Gov- um, Deputy Governor just in the last hour or so, kind of still sticking to the message saying that, you know, inflation is much too high but did say that it, um inflation was headed in the right direction so some some positive news there and certainly we've seen you know although yields globally have have pushed higher we've seen them come back a little bit in in canada as kind of expectations for rate hikes have been paired slightly even though there's still kind of you know strong expectations that the, the bank of canada will keep moving and, and markets are currently pricing 50 basis points at the next meeting and a um and a policy rate of just under 4% by, by year-end. And that's a there was some risk of a, another 75 basis point hike priced in before that CPI release. So certainly some some positive news there out of Canada.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it so the, the, the core figure, I mean, a, a energy fell. Uh, so the core figure would have fallen further if it wasn't for the rising food costs. But the rising food costs, presumably a lot of that again, is supply issues so it's supply issues, it's the cost of goods which is pushing prices up uh, which is why people obviously are demanding higher wages to try and compensate for that but if the cost of goods, I know this takes time but if the cost of goods comes down and maybe those, uh, I mean we haven't got time for a full economics discussion this morning I <laughs> appreciate that but if the cost of goods comes down then surely that pressure on wages is also going to come down at some point so uh, I, so the reason I'm mentioning this is because there's, you know, there's an, an a debate going on isn't there as to whether central banks are doing the right thing and Mervyn King who was the governor of the Bank of England for 10 years up to 2013 he was talking at Kent University recently giving a talk on lessons learned from 25 years of the Monetary Policy Committee he's not at all supportive of central banks pushing rates up this uh, quite so much this time because it is he's saying a supply shock uh, they should accommodate it unless it t- feeds into domestically produced inflation which would be wage driven obviously So there's very mixed views about uh, where central banks should be going right now. Because, of Mm -hmm. course, on the other side of the ocean, you've got Larry Summers saying, no, the Fed should definitely be going for 100 basis points tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and that's where comes, you that's where it comes back down to that, you know, the, the risk management approach that central banks are taking. And certainly the the clear consensus seems to be that if they're going to make a mistake, they want to make a mistake on um, you know, ensuring mm. that inflation does come back to target. And certainly, you know, if we think about the lessons learned through the through the transitory inflation discussion that we've had over the past couple of years one of them was just underappreciating the strength of that nominal demand backdrop and what that meant for capacity constraints in the economy. When you didn't see kind of demand destruction among other parts of the inflation basket, even as those high goods prices did start to eat into consumers real incomes. Um, And so, you know, While while certainly some softening on that good side is, you know, unequivocally good news, um, what it could mean if it if it does start to come down is that 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 real income hit to consumers is is mitigated and and that task to get demand and supply back into balance, unless you have kind of a a broader supply-side response, um, isn't necessarily helped by you know, um, those those goods prices coming back, if you do have that, that nominal income growth backdrop still running at levels that, that um, central banks yeah. don't see as consistent with sustainable that target inflation.
0: Yeah, people have got more money to spend and, <laughs> and therefore it makes the situation worse. Yeah, good point. But I mean, we've got the RBA minutes out yesterday, the September minutes were out they were, I mean, although they recognise they've still got a Titan, they were fairly dovish, weren't they? So what are they looking at now? Twenty five basis points from here on in, with a, a pause along the way? I mean they're 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 certainly not looking at hundred, are they? But could they throw in another fifty perhaps?
1: Yeah, so certainly we'd already heard a bit from the RBA since the um, September meeting. So there wasn't too much new in the minutes, but it did clarify a few things. Um, So we already knew that for the October meeting, the decision was going to be between 25 basis points and 50 basis points. Governor Lowe said that at a parliamentary testimony late last week. Um, The minutes revealed that 25 basis points was already on the table in the September meeting as well. And that's in contrast to August. So certainly, you know, there's a lot of discussion from the RBA at the moment about, slowing the pace of rate rises as the level of interest rates gets higher to more normal settings and so yeah as you say really the the key question in 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 you know the immediate term for the RBA is twenty five or fifty at the October meeting. Certainly, elsewhere in the minutes, the RBA you know stated pretty clearly that they see the economy is having trouble meeting the level of demand at the moment, and so they're seeing a you know an inflation backdrop that's still much too high and a capacity constrained economy, and they see a case for for raising rates further. Um, it's so it's just a question of whether they you know they think that threshold to start downshifting the pace of hikes has has already been met with the resilience of the data that we've seen so far. There probably is a case for one more 50 in October before downshifting to to 25 basis point hikes. Um, And there's a little bit of data coming up next week that could help that. We've got retail sales and and job vacancies, which might tilt the scales in one direction or the other. And we also get the ABS is is sneaking in a a media release that will have some information on, on monthly July and August in inflation numbers as well, which could help the RBA kind of clarify their thoughts around that Q3 CPI number and, and tilt the dial in one direction or the other as well. But, you know, given the strength of the backdrop and the capacity constraints that the RBA sees and just how much inflation is being signaled from, you know, the, the NAB survey and other things, including the RBA's own liaison program in the near term, you know, 50 basis points is still still very much possible in, in October cool. before a downshift.
0: Enough said. So, quick, quickly, uh, Japan's inflation numbers yesterday, their core rate is up at 2.8%. That's high for them. A positive number is high for them, let's be honest. Uh, the headline rate is 3%, but it's goods, not services that are driving that. So, again, it's supply issues. Nobody is asking for pay rises. So, there's no pressure, is there, for the Bank of Japan to do anything. So, they probably won't do anything this week.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> probably too early for, for a big shift on, on Thursday. But given the kind of, you know, slight upside surprise and the and the political discussion in, in Japan at the moment with, you know, rising inflation and cost of living pressure is certainly not popular. Um, there's, there's some risk there, and, you know, a tweak in the language is certainly possible. Um, as you say, we've kind of become inured to high inflation numbers, but, you know, headline inflation running at, at 3 points, um, 3% um, is still well above the, the Japan's 2% target. And looking at kind of the most recent six months, even if you look at that core, core measure that excludes um, energy and food, Um, on a seasonally adjusted basis that core core measure is running at 2.8 percent year on year over the last six months and so certainly those inflation pressures are there in japan but as you say looking across the detail the the story that the bank of japan had in their in their last forecast that there were some inflation pressures coming through um but there wasn't that lift in domestic services driven inflation or wages and inflation would ease back later they can still yeah. hold yeah. on to that even if the, the magnitude of the lift is is higher than they were expecting back in those forecasts.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, I mean we could ask, you know, what are they doing that we could all be doing, but I don't think we want to go through what they've been through perhaps. Look, uh, Ukraine is the uh, the wild card right now uh, so uh, Russia wants a vote uh, in those territories which they hold uh, sometime over the next week. It'll be another one of those, uh, those sham uh, elections uh, where people vote to become part of Russia, uh, just as they did in Crimea, so that would mean any attacks on those territories would be seen by Russia as an attack on Russia, which would mean uh, Russia would use that as an excuse to say, well, okay, this is no longer a war uh, between which the UN is is butting out of if they start uh, helping to attack. So that could, I mean, this could, this could be scary stuff. This could uh, take it from a proxy war into a, a, a full-on war, and this is no doubt what's being discussed today at the UN General Assembly in New York, which is uh, taking place right now. So that is scary. That's sort of like a left field thing that could really change the uh, the dynamics of everything we've been talking about. Uh, and certainly isn't going to improve the chances of cheaper oil and gas. I don't think it knows we can say too much on that other than that that is what's going on. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll just focus on the Fed early tomorrow. And as you've said before, uh, you know, there's a press conference, new projections as well, new dot points. Uh, we're going to cover all of that tomorrow morning with Gavin. And then, of course, the Bank of England as well later on. It's a hell of a day tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very, very busy day coming up and, you know, throwing in, you know, before we finish the week, we've got um, decisions from the the SNB and the nauseous and Bank as well, just filling out that central bank in Canada. Yeah. So certainly a, a very busy week and that, you know, that that risk of further escalation in, in Ukraine certainly just, you know, adding to the you know, the, the sour risk, risk sentiment that we saw saw today. Um, and certainly NATO has, has come out pretty pretty strongly already. The head of NATO has said that, you know, sham um, referendums would have no, no legitimacy. And so, you know, the, the risks of escalation there are, are certainly real.
0: Yeah, and all of that could put a bit of pressure on the Aussie dollar, of course, as well, if that you know, risk sentiment mounts any further. Uh, look, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Taylor. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much, Phil. And the Fed decision, the dot points and the press conference, they are just before tomorrow morning's podcast. So the news will be still warm when we serve it to you tomorrow morning. Uh, So join me for that. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.